This podcast is a part of the Newhoff Media Podcast Network. The pop doc, uh, I got a, uh, an email from Ann Owens, uh, was a new concept in direct-to-consumer soft drink retailing uh, launched in 1968. So, uh, you know, I was born in 66, so oh. it, it was F&B bottling, and then it was called the pop doc. Yeah. But basically, instead of buying Pepsi or Coke, you would go by by the case or then you could mix and match like whatever you wanted to do so you could, if you wanted orange or you wanted whatever uh and then there was a deposit that you yeah. paid on the bottles and you would bring the bottles back and those would get and i don't even want to know what they did in 1968 you roll them back over <laughs> probably spray them off with a garden hose and fill them that back is, up that's something ann would know right <laughs> yeah absolutely just me the whole history of street wow. and, and there was also uh, uh they added a second location on North 22nd Street. So I oh, okay. told you I thought that was. So I, the building may be there on Packard mm-hmm. still, but there was also on uh, North 22nd. And um, then they ended up doing like cranes, potato chips, and some other things. But yeah. but it was a bottling company back when that was a very localized thing. You didn't have, I mean, even at that time, Pepsi and Coke weren't what they certainly were, you know, even 10 years after that or whatever. Uh, and th- I don't think this was unusual um, because then Kmart. I mean, you started to have way before Sam's or Walmart, you had mm-hmm. these larger, you know, not just your local grocery store, mm-hmm. but the big retailers, and you could buy it cheaper, probably, you know, because they were selling it in volume. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there was one of those every town in America. I'm sure. At some point. You guys just aren't old enough to remember. <laughs> I, re- I remember days before Walmart. I yeah, do, do remember you? that. Yeah. yeah. We had, uh, in Quincy, we had Jack's. So similar to Walmart, but smaller. And um, they, had, they call them Jack's ads. So uh, <laughs> it would be like, you know, the ad you'd get in the newspaper, but all the, the models or the people in the ads modeling the stuff that were, were local people. Right. So That's like fun. I was, yeah. So I would get, you know, I would get paid. I'm not great. I was like in fifth grade. So it's not like they were looking for, you know, high fashionistas or anything, but just kids to come in and model the clothes, but you get $20 for the first outfit and $10 for everyone after that. And they had like this studio set up. It was awesome. That's and, cool. And then they plaster the ads all over the front of the store and you're like, Oh, I'm going to be in the Jack's ad this week. That's and, great. Know, it's kind of My fun. grandmother uh, had a children's apparel store here indicated for years and years. And so, you know, I grew up with that same kind of mm-hmm. thing. I've got an ad somewhere. Oh, I'd have should, to go back and find it. it. Out, yeah. And that was in Northgate, right? <laughs> next to the theater? It was like, in Northgate next to the theater. Yeah. And then she had one briefly that was in like on 121 when that sort of that uh, uh, was newer, newish. Uh, but yeah, it was a Northgate for years and years and years. Cool. I spent a lot of time in the Northgate theater like in summer. Do you remember the smell of Northgate? The popcorn and all that? Oh, yeah. It was very specific. I, 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 you know, my, my mom and, and her sister uh, both worked there. So, like, in summers, like, when we were out of school, I mean, I cannot tell you how many movies I watched at the Northgate Cinema, you know. <laughs> uh-huh. And arcade, too. Uh, yeah, in the arcade, right? It was a pretty cool summer, just, like, yeah, playing video bad. games and watching movies. Wow, what a life. Yeah, it wasn't bad. <laughs> kind of do that now. <laughs> I know, yeah. Can we go back? <laughs> All right, I, here's the question I have for you today. It's a philosophical question, and I know, sure. it, it, you know, Paul was in yesterday, and he'd written in the Tribune about, you know, like all of the bad things about doing business in the state of Illinois, and then oh. there's some stuff from Pritzker about, you know, hey, we're doing this, mm-hmm. and, and I think that probably is always the answer somewhere in between. Yes, yep. we have had companies decide to move out of the state of Illinois. Mm-hmm. I mean, Caterpillar, Boeing, I mean, there have been p- mm-hmm. people who have made physical choices of their offices going corporate offices Mm -hmm. or whatever. Now there's right to work. I mean, there's a lot of arguments about, you you know, this state versus that state. 
Um, but I also, at the same time, you know, I look at just what's happening here. There's a lot of people moving in. Yeah, uh, definitely. And, and so is the reputation of Illinois being kind of, you know, a hard-to-do-business state? I think that exists. Mm-hmm. Whether that reputation is accurate or not, to me, is always a moving target. It is. You're right. And, you know, when, when I think of companies like Caterpillar or Boeing and instances like that, you know, we might not be the right state for every business, but you think about what they moved out, they moved, they moved offices out, right? But when it comes to the heart of their production plants, they, they're still here in Decatur. So when you look at a whole business, does it, is, is this parts of it may make make sense in other states and that's fine. But as a whole though, Illinois is still very competitive. You know, in 2022, we reached a really critical milestone by surpassing $1 trillion in GDP. And so if you take our state GDP and you stack it against the rest of the nation, we're the fifth largest GDP in the nation. We're the 18th largest economy in the world. The state of Illinois is the 18th largest economy in the world. And you don't get there by accident, by mistake. And those aren't rankings and made up numbers, though we have a lot of those as well. Things like that really turn heads. And so when we're, you know, when we're talking to site selectors and companies, and when you look at the whole cost of doing business, not just one, you know, specific point, Illinois is still very competitive. And that's why you're continuing to see a lot of this investment. I mean, we have a ton of companies in Illinois and a lot of Fortune 500 companies, and they wouldn't be here if it was such a terrible place. And, and I, but yet you always deal with this. I, I mean, I yeah. remember having these conversations with Beth Newhoff because people would say to her, "Why are you in business in Illinois?" You, mm-hmm. you know, that yes. was a perception mm-hmm. thing. It is, and in similarly to you know, sometimes when we talk about how Decatur, how our own citizens are our own worst enemy, oh, Illinois sure. is the same way. We just cannot keep our negative politics and negative, you know, imaging and big splashy negative headlines that sell out of the headlines, right? We can't, we, we just shoot ourselves in the own foot Partly that's government's fault. I mean, we certainly yeah. have served up plenty of controversy and plenty of grift and plenty of, yes. you, you know, to, uh, to hammer home that image. I mean, two of the last four of our governors went to jail. I mean, so, I mean, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's no, that's not helpful <laughs> at all. You know, Mike Madigan may be next. Right. And so people yeah. have this sense. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think you get so much of this downstate notion about Chicago being this evil place mm-hmm. when you know it, it it's like i i think if you're big enough I, I i feel like this is part of the problem with district 61 it's like when you have all the problems that's all anybody sees and right. you have the problems because you have all the population mm-hmm. so it's easier to do this smaller thing you know over here and i, I just i so i i had this kind of argument with paul yesterday it's like I, just, I you know i think a lot of that is just people's knee-jerk sort of go-to move without any backup. That's the easy response, right? It's easy to say, oh, it's terrible. Oh, it's this, it's that. But, you know, when you dig into the facts, Illinois really is a good place to do business. And if it wasn't, we wouldn't be seeing the kind of investment that we're having. No. Um, And then everybody thinks about the worst. I I remember having these conversations with the ADM executives before the announcement that they were going to put, you know, the corporate stuff up in Chicago. Mm -hmm. And and I was told at that time, this is 100 people. I mean, mean, don't, Mm -hmm. you know, we have no intent to like, you know, it's just, we've got to be able to get on a plane and get around the world. Obviously, this was pre-COVID. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and these are the kind of jobs that aren't ag-specific jobs. You know, we got to have lawyers. We've got to have marketing. we got to have, mm-hmm. you know, these aren't people go, that went into ag careers realizing they were going to work, you know, in a small town in the Midwest. Right. we got to be able to attract the talent, the pool of talent that wants to live in big cities. And and so people took this as a huge negative. But everything they told me turned out to be exactly what they did. 
Right. Well, and some of the headlines or some of the some of the um, stories from the larger uh, city newspapers at that time were showing pictures of ADM's plants and saying they're moving to downtown Chicago. It's like really they're going to pick that up? Like they're going to be the largest just, grain it's project. Just yeah. Skew, no, yeah, it's no. just a way to skew. Um, right. and, and you know, get people to think about it differently. But you know, the nature the nature of doing business in the world these days has changed, and companies have to be flexible if they are going to survive and well, if they're going to continue absolutely. to grow. And I'm supportive of that. Just want them to stay within the state. But 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 they did, and they, <laughs> they have, did. and nothing yep. changed dramatically. I, I mean, you might have lost some bigger salaries that might give to a United Way campaign or something. Mm-hmm. But yep. but the the majority of the jobs now. At the same time, every time we get uh, you, you know a news about you know ADM being recognized by Forbes magazine or something, there's all these people. Well, you didn't talk to us in the plant. I don't think anybody even a lot of people work there can connect just how global this company is and how large a footprint they have on the entire world. The entire world, and I think that's that's what we have to keep in mind as indicator. Many of our companies are global in nature. Our largest ones are global in nature. Um, and so, you know, we, we just have to keep that in mind. And I think we forget that because it's easy just to kind of live within our, you know, within our city and not think about the, the bigger picture and the impact that Decatur has on the globe and has an impact on these state GDP numbers um, is pretty enormous. And in downstate Illinois cannot survive without Chicago and Chicago certainly cannot survive without downstate Illinois. Yep. It's just a fact. And so let's just put that argument aside because that's not going to happen. We're not splitting up. So just just put that aside. Get those politics out of it. Talk about how as one state together, we are fantastic. And yes, every state has their issues. Every state um, you know, has challenges and things to work through. And we're not exempt from that. But when we talk to companies and we talk to site selectors, they're, they're, you know, they're becoming more and more positive about Illinois because they're seeing the dents that we're putting in our debt. You know, the, the uncertainty of doing business in Illinois um, is changing and it's becoming more certain and they're able to quantify that. And that's been helpful. All right. Correct me if I'm wrong, but, Mm -hmm. but the, these companies are not red or blue. What they want mm-hmm. is consistency. They want to yes. be able to map out their plan, knowing what the playing field looks like here or anywhere else, right? Yes. And that's where the politicians do the damage. It, it, you know, they go this way and then they pull the rug out on you and go that way. I don't think they're actively rooting for a Republican governor or a Democrat governor or a Republican legislation. I, they just want consistency. They want consistency, they want pro business policies, and they want a workforce. They, they want a workforce and they want a workforce. The best thing we can do is get people to work, right, and show where our pipeline is coming from, um, show the talent that exists in the region that they can pull from and continue to support those efforts because that is number one. All right. Are we, in my opinion, we're doing a much better job locally having those conversations about mm-hmm. pipelines than we have for a very long time. Yes, we are. And I and, mean, it's, you may not have mm-hmm. the results yet, but I feel like we're feeding into that. Uh, you, you know, Nikki Budzinski had, you know, a young woman, you know, who was working at a fast food restaurant. She's now officially will be part of the IBEW was mm-hmm. at the, the for the State of the Union address. Yep. And from that, Decatur. And that can happen again and again and again. You know, there's just a lot of challenges and barriers out there for some folks to get, to enter back into the workforce or to enter into the workforce for the first time. But that's why we have really outstanding services between Workforce Investment Solutions and Richland and Millican and all throughout. And then you've got these you know, scholarships from the Community Foundation. I mean, we have a ton of opportunity here for somebody to succeed. And people just people have to want it because the jobs are here. The opportunity to lift and support are here. Um, but that's what you know, that's what companies want to know about. They want to know what are we doing as a community to continue to train um, and, and then making sure that our companies are 
continuously connecting and reconnecting on a consistent basis with our educational institutions to make sure that the needs are being met and that we're serving our companies. And Rocky with workforce development. And, and even, mm-hmm. you know, we were just at a meeting at the Main County Law Enforcement Training Center, you know, about careers mm-hmm. in public service. And and, and I, I think the, the there's equal blame, I think, in the history of this. I, I think employers got used to the fact that there was a line out the door wanting to get in, mm-hmm. right? Yep. I, I mean, I remember when Dr. Kidwell was, you know, over the ACES schools, we didn't have to think about bringing ag to people. People would always come to us. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that has changed. So I, I think you're seeing it being reimagined on both sides of that equation. Absolutely. And, you know, that. I know about the pandemic a lot, but really you had you had more retirements during the pandemic. You had a lot of folks that were sticking it out and didn't retire probably when they were qualified to retire because the market had tanked before that and they lost a lot of their savings. And so they held out and they kept working and the pandemic came. They were comfortable. They could retire. But then that threw on a whole bunch of people that were retiring quickly that we weren't expecting to retire yet. And so it's left this big gap in the, in, you know, these jobs and people that need to fill them. Um, So we found ourselves in a situation where we have to very rapidly upskill people and get people into those jobs, but we're doing it. And I think we're doing a really good job of that. It it keeps getting better. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, and I think success, you know, just causes more success. I mean, when you can see it get accomplished and I'm very happy, you know, proud that you were a big part of that, you know, with the ag Academy. I mean, now we're starting to see the end of like, students coming out of it and going mm-hmm. into it. And it's like, okay, this works. Yeah. Uh, you know, the IBW used to have, you know, I mean, my God, there was, you, they, you know, the line was enormous to become an electrician. Mm-hmm. You know, then they look up and their average age is 47 and there's no pipeline. You, you know, you got to start getting creative and inventive and A, show everyone. We talked about people have these obstacles in their head, you know, about joining the Y or working out. Think about what it looks like if you think what an electrician looks like and you can't see yourself in that mm-hmm. job. You got to go over and above to make sure people can see themselves in those yep. careers. And now we're doing that. We are, you know, and that's an important factor that I think we did just take for granted. It's, you know, we, we know we know what it looks like to be A, B, or C in all these different jobs and these careers. But really the the attention of our young students and of our young adult is so spread thin. If you really think of all the ways and all the things that they're paying attention to is, I mean, I don't even, I can't even put a number on it, probably a thousand times more than what it was when we were young. Yeah. So how would we expect them to, I don't, we can't expect them to naturally on their own seek out, you know, career um, exploration. We really do have to feed that to them and, and encourage them and do it at a very early age so that it's more natural. And to we got to quit being snobby about career education. I, I mean, yes. I, I, you know, and I feel like we're doing Agreed. a better job we're of doing, this. Yes. I, mm-hmm. I'll never forget, you know, we had this young lady that we did for the swag campaign that was a welder that, that had graduated from, uh, I remember MacArthur was, Eisenhower mm-hmm. and, and was a welder at Caterpillar, was, was getting offers to go out west for, I mean, just crazy money. And we did an interview with her, and then somebody on the podcast goes, "She ought to expect more out of herself." For some stupid remark like, "It's like, are you kidding me?" Yeah, uh, you know. But she's we, writing her ticket. But we did exactly. that for a long time in public education, not just Decatur. I mean, everywhere. Oh, everywhere. Yeah, and we're and go get a four-year degree, and it mm-hmm. doesn't even matter what it is. Yep. And now look where we're at. Yeah. We found ourselves in a real predicament. So, you know, we're we're just very trying, rapidly trying to, I think, make up for that lost time. And we're making a dent in it, but we, you know, we still, we need more people. We need more people back to work. And we, I look at those GDP numbers, but I think we could have more if we had more people working. Yeah. You know, and, and we so will. that's, and we I, will. And we're, we're making, we're getting there. It's exciting, but we're moving in the right direction. Yeah. There's still a lot of, a lot of work and promise ahead.
Enjoy your weekend. Thank you. You too. Are you taking? Who are you taking? I'm going to go with Chiefs. I'm going Hart Chiefs. not Head, as Tupper said. I want to take the Chiefs, but you told me I have to take the Eagles. I didn't song. tell you I had to take anything. <laughs> I gave you the choice. You said Eagles. <laughs> go Chiefs. Like a, go like, Mahomes. Way to reinforce the idea that this is some sort of dictatorship here. <laughs> You've been listening to the Newhoff Media Podcast Network. For more, visit newhoffmedia.com.